This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Let's get started. Exodus 6. Exodus 6, verse 6. Fourth and final part of a series called The Core. If you're a guest today, I don't want to assume that you're going to understand what I mean by the core. So I want to take just a quick second. I believe that all of the promises in the scripture, there's about 4,000 of them, and I believe they all, all of them come from four main basic promises. I call them the core promises of God. I repeat this series every February. Uh, it's that important to me. Now, I'm smart enough to know that I'm not going to say that I'll always do it. If God ever changes the direction of that, then I'm, I'm up to that. But as far as I can tell now in my spirit, our local church, we've got a lot of room still to grow in the reception of these four promises. So until I, until I sense in the Holy Spirit that there's fruit on the vine, so to speak, that these four promises are really being taken hold of, I'm just going to keep preaching it every February. And these four promises are found in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. Here we go. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. Now notice the words, I will. This is a promise of God. I will bring you out. I will bring you out from what? I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Now this was directly being spoken to the children of Israel within this context But if you study Old Testament understanding, Egypt was always, uh, from this point on, will always be likened unto sin. They were slaves to sin. And God is promising that he will keep his word and he will give a, a, a path out of sin. I will bring you out of sin. But God is so gracious that he's not just wanting to bring us out of sin, Because it goes on and says, I will rid you out, I will rid you out of their bondage. God's promising, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. But once I get you out of there, I'm going to take some time with you in relationship. And I'm going to get all that Egypt experience out of you. So what does that mean for us today? God wants to save you for eternity. You have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. You can know God in salvation. But until until you reach heaven, God wants to work in your heart to get all of the sin out of you. So it's almost like if you were in a house fire and a fireman stormed into your, your residence and brought you out alive from the fire... We know you've been in that fire because of all the smut and the smell of the fire still on your clothing. But over time, through showers, through a changing of clothing, through some time, there'll be some time, it will only be a story that you could tell us. Does you make sense? So what God's wanting to do in your life is not just get you out of sin. He's going to save you. He promises he'll do that. But he also promises that if you'll work with him and partner with him, here's the cool part. You don't have to work for him to save you. But now that he's saved you, you need to work from that point of salvation to try to get the sin out of you. 
Because just because you can have your names written in the Lamb Book of Life doesn't mean you still have a temptation to do what you've always done. So the saving part is on God. God's going to do the saving. But being set free or being rid out of the bondage, that, that's, that's a job with you and God. Now you're going to have to be disciplined. You're going to have to submit to obedience to the Word of God. You're going to have to change your lifestyle. You're going to have to change the way you, way you, way you think. And you do that not by your own wisdom and intellect. You do it by the Word of God. Allowing the Word of God to saturate your mind. Somebody say amen. amen. So, so here we go. Back to it. I'm going to bring you out. And then I'm going to rid you out. And then the third I will. Notice the third I will. I will redeem you. Everybody say redeem. Last Sunday, part number three was the third promise. I will redeem. He's not just going to save you. He's not just going to work in you to help you overcome the issues of your life but he wants to get you back a reset button he wants to get you back to ground zero and he wants to give you the original purpose that you were created for because this is what happens in all of us when we're born into sin like the bible teaches and we're shaping in iniquity we get off track we get we get into thinking that our purpose in life is you know maybe a job our purpose in life is to be a husband our purpose in life is to be you know a professional at this and that the truth of the matter is that's all good, that's good stuff, but you're, you have an original purpose that God designed you for, divine, designed by God. And you'll never know what it is if you're not saved. You'll never know what it is if you're not working towards a, a righteous lifestyle. But God says, I'm going to show you your purpose. I'm going to redeem you. How he's going to do it was with a stretching his arm out and, and with great judgments against the enemy of your life. And then verse 7 is, is today, okay? So the fourth I will promise is found in verse 7, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I will take you to me for people. Notice we go from the singular to the plural. I'm going to take you for, to me for people, and I will be to you a God and I must show you that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So real quick, and this will be the last time I do it for this particular month series, I want you to notice there's four I will promises, and today is the fourth one. The first one was the first Sunday of the month. I will bring you out. The second one was the second Sunday of the month. I will rid you out. The third one was last Sunday. I will redeem you. And then today. I will take you to me for a people. Father, over the next few minutes, I ask you to speak through me. Um, I'm prepared. I'm ready to speak what you've placed in my heart, but I've, I've maxed out what I can do. And I just need you to take up the slack, and I need you to do what, what I can't. And I'm asking you, Lord, to take my, my abilities to, to share your word of God, but now make it super the natural. Make it supernatural. And allow someone to hear something they've never heard before. And stretch us and let us be blessed for being here today. And for all of our friends that are visiting with us, Lord, I ask you to let them even have a maybe a light bulb moment to understand that your plan for all humanity is the same. You want us to be saved. You want us to be set free from all the stuff that we've experienced, the bad things. You want us to know our real purpose. And you want us to live a life that's making a difference. I pray this blessing over us in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. There's a, a, a word that we use in Christianity. Uh, obviously, it's not just reserved for Christianity, but there's a word that we often say around church, 
Uh, sometimes it's used in lyrics of songs. Other times, Christians use it even outside of the church building. Like if it was your kid that shot the winning goal yesterday in the ball game, you might have said, yes, hallelujah. And everybody in the stands would have went, what was that? But you knew what it was. It was a word that expressed your happiness and your joy. Maybe you got pulled over and, and the officer said, I'm just going to give you a warning. And as he walked away, you said, hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could tell your kid didn't play ball yesterday, but you got pulled over. <laughs> so we use that word hallelujah for a lot of things, man. You know, like last week, my wife just blessed the socks off of me and made my favorite meal, a little bit of Louisiana gumbo, somebody. And I said, hallelujah. And then I followed it with some kind of foreign language. It was that good. <laughs> hallelujah. Let's think about the word. The prefix of the word, the first few letters that set the word up. H-A-L-L-E-L. Ooyah. Hallel. Ooyah. The word Hallel is really what I want to talk about. It means to be fulfilled. God's plan, yes, is to save without question. Before you overcomplicate anything, before you get distracted for all the other thousands of promises of God, the number one, numero uno, promiso, I took my liberty there. The number one promise of God is to save you. Amen. And the ultimate promise of God is that after your salvation, you get free from your issues. You know your purpose. But God's plan for you is for you to live so fulfilled that you're just overflowing with contentment. Not to be confused that you're living a life absent of any challenges because it rains on the just and the unjust. Not to be confused that you're going to live life without any issues and problems and, and setbacks. No, that's called life. You're, even though you're saved in eternity, you're still here in this life. And you're still going to have setbacks. You're still going to, stock market's going to rise and fall. Your body's going to feel certain ways of, of sicknesses at times. Your kids are going to obey you 25% of the time. You're going to have things happen. But God wants you to live the fulfilled life because of Jesus Christ in your heart. It's the Hallel life. Somebody turn with me in your, in your app or your, or your, your smartphone or maybe you have a, an old-fashioned Bible like I use. John 10 and 10. John 10 and 10. The King James, which is probably the most popular uh, translation that's in this service today. It says that the thief, the devil, the enemy, he comes for this purpose. Guess what it is? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. But then Jesus works his way into what his purpose was. He says, but I have come that they may have, that means you, that you may have life and have it abundantly. But the Living Bible translation, I just love how it says the, the Jesus' portion. He says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
But then he says, my purpose. And I mean, Jesus has got like swag, like nobody's business. He says, my purpose is that they may have life to the fullness. Everyone say, full. Think about it. We have a swimming pool at our house. And, and it's normally about, you know, the water level to the brim is normally about right here. After this much rain we've had, it's just been overflowing. God wants to take your life and not allow you to run half empty any longer. His plan for you is, yes, to save you without question to get you free from issues and to get you on the right course on your purpose. But God's plan is for you to be fulfilled to where every day is a hallelujah day. Every moment's a hallelujah moment. Well, Pastor Tommy, how in the world can a hallelujah moment whenever I'm getting laid off work because God's got something better for you? How can I have a hallelujah moment when my baby's sick because God's going to heal that baby? How can I have a hallelujah moment when, when me and my spouse, we've been going to counseling, it's not looking good because weeping's just going to endure for the night. There's going to be joy coming in your morning time. God's plan for you is for you to be overflowing, fulfilled, spilling over with his goodness. Somebody say, I can handle that. Can you? Could you handle a little bit of his goodness today? Well, this is where we're going. God's plan for you is to live the fulfilled, hallel life. So why is it that people are missing it? Why are some people missing out on this fulfilled life. It, it may be you. Right now, you may say, I'm sitting in this service and everything you're saying I agree with, but it's not happening for me. Let me help you understand maybe, possibly, a few reasons why it's not happening for you. If this, if this resonates, if the shoe fits, I want you to receive it, okay? And I speak to, speak to you today in love. One of the main reasons that people miss out on the fulfilled life, even though they're Name is written in the Lamb's book of life. They're still just not hallelujah type people. One of the reasons is because you're still stuck in your past. Your past is crippling you from your future. This happens every day in, in, in Christianity. You know that you're saved, but you also know that you have to look over your shoulder every day. Wondering, is, is that poor choice from a few years ago going to haunt me? Or maybe you're dealing today with the choices that you made. And I got, I got good news, bad news. The bad news is those bad choices of yesterday, if there's still a residue, if there's, if there's a leftover effect of those bad choices, let, let's just talk about money for a minute. If you really were a poor money manager, if you were, had zero stewardship, just because you're saved doesn't mean that there's going to be a heavenly swipe of all your debt. Somebody said, I wish. Wouldn't that be incredible? How many people would come to Jesus today if we said, hey, he could forgive you of your sin and your debt. Hallelujah. Boy, it'd be a hallelujah America. Well, he's... He's not real concerned about your finances until after he gets your heart. Once he has your heart in salvation, then he's going to work with you on the issues of the debt. 
Matter of fact, our church is set up. We're doing a pretty good job helping people with their debt. It's called Financial Peace University. I was speaking with Miss Kim Law, the coordinator of it, recently in a group setting. And uh, there was a couple, a married man and woman, that were interested in the program. And I was just kind of hanging around the conversation, and I just was curious. I didn't even know. I had no idea what the answer was going to be. I said, Kim, what, what's your, just give me a ballpark. How much debt has been relieved just in our church over the years of doing financial peace? And I'm expecting, you know, 50000 I'm expecting 100000 And she said, well over into the millions. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of accumulated debt, 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 debt. Some people with $40,000 of credit card debt. And before you say, oh, wow, they're sitting next to you. Because it's real life. Hey, everybody, this is where we really live. Now, we could come and preach a little cute sermon and everybody shake the preacher's hand and we go get fried chicken. Or we could deal with the real issues. Guess what? God wants your heart. Then he wants to handle the issues, the fulfilled life. But here's the catch. He can't help you in all those other areas until he knows that he's got you. And when he has you, he'll help you with all the other areas. So, back to the point of the past. You're still living in your past when God's wanting to take you to the future. You've given him your heart and salvation, but you're still just dog cussing that debt. You're still worried about your reputation. When I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, and uh, that was special. But then at 15 years old, when I got called to preach, I'm telling you, I was 15 years old, and I knew I was called to do this the rest of my life. But I did not know how to do it, and I didn't really get started at 15. I just knew I was called at 15. And then later after college, I, I entered into the ministry, and I lived in several places. I lived in Texas for a while, uh, Indiana for a while, but my parents remained in Louisiana in my early years of ministry. And I would be on the phone with my mom and dad catching up and they would say, hey, well, we ran into so-and-so down in New Orleans and, and we told them you were a preacher and the weirdest thing happened. They fell out. <laughs> and then it was just a few days later, we were in Shreveport, Louisiana, and we ran into somebody, an old school teacher of yours, and we told him you're in the ministry and, and they just laughed out loud. Listen, we all have a past. I couldn't be doing this today if I remained stuck in all the regrets of yesterday. And a lot of you, you need to move on into your marriage and get over the regrets of yesterday. You need to move on into your stewardship principles now and forget about the mistakes of yesterday's bad money managing. You need to move into today with your kids and forget about the mistakes of your parenting from yesterday. Everybody say this out loud. Say, I have been given... A fresh start. So if we're in our car, we have a rear view mirror, and we could choose to spend all of our time looking in the rear view mirror and never progress, or we could look through the windshield and go forward into what God's wanting us to be. So today, one of the reasons why people miss out on the fulfilled life is they're spending too much time in yesterday and not enough time moving forward. A second reason, and this is a big one, and I'm not going to take my liberty as much as I did on the first one. But the second one is, a lot of people are allowing culture to define them rather than the word of God to define them. Now, guys, listen. I'm not some 85-year-old, Bible-beaten, old-fashioned, hell-fire-brimstone guy. But I will say this. 
most of the stuff in our today's culture is not taking us closer to God. It's taking us further from God. Not going to debate it with you because I'm right. Most of the stuff in today's culture is taking us further from God, not bringing us closer to God. So a lot of people get hung up in cultural things. They get hung up in, 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 in what's happening in the moment. And they find themselves getting off track with where God's wanting to take them because they're stuck in yesterday and they're stuck in today's cultural experience. But here's the big one that I'm wanting to spend the rest of my time with you on. The third one is people are trying to live for God alone. And God's plan is for you to do life with other believers. There is something special about being on Team Jesus. There is something special about being a part of the church. God's plan for you is not to be a lonely Christian. And there's a lot of lonely Christians. They're saved. They're going to heaven. But have you noticed that from one cover of the Bible to the last cover of the Bible, and of course most of you know it's not written in chronological order, but from the beginning to the end as it's presented, God's continual presentation is always him having relationship with people. Not just a person, but with people. In creation, multiples created. In the end, when he returns and the church is taken away, known as the rapture, the catching away of the church, guess what? It's not just one person being caught away. It's the church being caught away. God's ultimate idea of halal for you is for you, Exodus 6 and 7, is that he will take you as his own people. So how do we move into a people group known as the church. I conclude this series with just a few minutes of teaching in this regard. True fulfillment starts with you saying yes to the calling to be a part of something bigger than just yourself. When he took you out of Egypt, it was all about you and God. When he set you free from your issues, it's all about you and God. When he redeems you and, and shows you your real purpose, it's all about you and God. But now he says, now we get to really enjoy this relationship because I've saved you. I've set you free. I've given you your purpose. And your purpose is actually linked to everybody else's purpose. I'm going to put you in a people group called the church. And it starts with a calling. He's calling you to go further from just being a me-centered mindset to a we-centered mindset. 2 Timothy 1 and 9, one of the great scriptures of this message. 2 Timothy 1 and 9, reading from the New Living Translation, says God saved us. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. God saved us and then called us to a holy work. Once your name is written in his book, and once you're on the path, to getting set free from all that stuff from yesterday. And once you know your purpose, it's your calling now to join hands and to lock arms and to join in mind and heart the unity of the body of Christ to really do something special 
my sermon title, To Make a Difference. God's plan for you is for you to make a difference. And in my notes, I use the word declare. And I've got it highlighted green, which for my sermon way of preaching, that's really important. I want you to declare this today. I want to make a difference. Matter of fact, can we just say it out loud? I want to make a difference. Well, if you really mean that, and not just repeating it, if you really mean it, I want to make a difference, then the only way you'll ever make a difference is by doing something that's making a difference. Everybody wants to be a part of a cause. We get phone calls every, every day at the church wanting to be a part of a cause. They're wanting our church to support this. They want our church to support that. We get invitations to be a part of this and to be a part of that. And as I shared with our staff this past Thursday, we once again were presented with a cause, a local ministry asking for our support to be a part of a cause. As I told our staff, the danger, the danger with calls like this is you, you, can, you can be into everything so much that you're like a shotgun effect. You're scattered. We need to stay focused on what really makes a difference. And let me tell you what makes a difference more than any cause that will ever be presented to you. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank God and I'm sincere when I say it. I thank God for every program from the government. I thank God for every program that's under Christian leaderships today. But I will tell you right now, nothing, nothing changes people like the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you want a cause to be a part of, before we march for this, before we stand for that, if you're looking for a cause that really will make a difference and that you can play a major role in, it's the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That, ladies and gentlemen, will turn America around quicker than anything else. Being a part of the gospel of Jesus Christ movement that will change lives forever. I think that deserves a hand clap. Everybody just clap your hands to the Lord. Matter of fact, Luke said in the book of Acts chapter 20, verse 24, my life's worth nothing to me unless, unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he doesn't leave us hanging. He tells us what the work is. Unless I finish the work given to me by Jesus, what's the work? The work of telling others the good news about Jesus. Everybody say, I want to make a difference. <laughs> and now let's say that second declaration by doing something that makes a difference by doing something that makes a difference and I close with this today if you really want to make a difference be a part of something that's making a difference that's the church but here's the glorious truth that I leave you with make a difference by doing something that makes a difference along the side of other difference makers Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9. Two are better than one. Because they, the group, has a good return for their labor. It's one thing for you to be saved and for you to work through your issues and for you to know your purpose. 
But you'll never make a difference on your own like you could in a group setting. I recently was in Haiti. In Mission of Hope, Haiti is feeding 92,000 people a day. They have 9,000 kids in their schools. They've reached an agreement with the company Under Armour. Under Armour is relocating to Haiti and happens to be relocating to about two miles away from the front door of Mission of Hope in Haiti. They've reached an agreement with Under Armour. Out of the 9,000 students in their school, they're making an, an addendum to their junior and senior level classes. Before Under Armour opens that new plant, they are submitting to Mission of Hope job descriptions. And if Mission of Hope will train these juniors and seniors in high school with the right skill, that the day they walk across that stage, they walk two miles down the road into employment at Under Armour. You ask, what's that got to do with this sermon? Because we, everyone say we, we support it. I, I, don't, I know I do. But guess what? Because of your mission's giving, we do. This past week, we were introduced to one of our local ministries here in Johnson County. It's a prayer ministry. Not just praying, because sometimes when you pray, the answer you hear from heaven is now go. Wouldn't it be great if all we had to do is pray? Well, God says pray. I give you instructions, and now I need you to go. It's a prayer ministry that has heard the word go, and now they're taking single mothers, single women that life has had in a corner, the corner of abuse, the corner of misuse. They've had these ladies in a corner that if not for that ministry, these ladies would probably find themselves living out of cars, living under bridges. But yet, they've created the right program. Similar to Mission of Hope in Haiti, they've created the program right here in Johnson County to teach them, to educate them, to train them, to get them healthy, to get them cleaned up, and to set their path set their feet rather on a path for success and as our full pastoral team walked through that campus and as we heard the testimonies we said now you know what I can go to Haiti and I'll continue to go but I'd love to be able to drive right down the street here locally and see the very same gospel making a difference guess what we're doing that everybody say we we're doing that God's plan is for you to move from the me camp to the we camp. And I close this message and I close this series with this. My dream for you is to stop just coming to this church. What? Yeah. I want you to stop just coming to church. I'm thankful for every single one of you that do come. But God's plan for you is to be a part of it. So when we do things, it's you doing it with us. Not just attending. Not just giving. But segueing, merging, 
working yourself into the very fabric of what we're doing. So I leave you with this prayer that you will consider if you're missing out on the fulfilled life, the happy life, the hallelujah life, are you stuck in yesterday? Are you worried about culture today? Are you getting sidetracked on what's the popular thing to, 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 to march for and the popular thing to defend? Get back to the basics of the gospel. And are you trying to do it alone? Come on board with us. We're better together. We shine when we're a team. Wouldn't it be awful to just hear one single instrument every Sunday? Thank God for the group. You following me? I want you to stand. I want to make a difference by doing something that makes a difference. Along the side of other difference makers. The church of the living God. March is going to be incredible. It will be even better if you're here. So let's be a part of something that's working, reaching the lost for Jesus. Now I want you to bow your heads. And I close this series with the ultimate plan of God, the original I will. He said that I will bring you out of Egypt. Is there anyone here today that you didn't realize it when you woke up today, but because of a song you heard sung or because of something I've said today, because of something God's done in your heart, you know that you're ready to give your life to Jesus. You're ready to start fresh, a new relationship with Him. Maybe a very first time commitment or maybe it's time for you to come back to Him. You're ready to just come back and recommit and rededicate your life. Would you lift your hand quickly? I want to pray over you before we go home. I see you, sir. Thank you for that. Right there in the center. God bless all of you. Come on, lift it up high like you're proud of it. I see you. I see you right there. For you that have your hands, I see you right there. I love you, Misty. For all of you that have your hand lifted up, I pray this over you, but I ask you to come into agreement with me. Make this your heart's plea to God. Dear Lord Jesus, I welcome you into my heart today. Forgive me of my sin and my selfish ways. I've gotten off track. I've been, I've been dealing with my guilt and I've been dealing with my past and I've, I've missed the opportunity to really live for you in the now. But I walk out of that lifestyle. I turn away from that way of living and I ask you to come into my heart. Save me. You are my Lord and Savior and by faith, I truly believe it with all my heart that you are saving me even now that I'm becoming a part of the family of God and I'm grateful and thankful. Now, Father, set my path straight ahead of me. Let me know what direction to go. Move obstacles out of my way. Work things out for my good. Let me start working on my life. Partner with me as I partner with you. In Jesus' name. And let everybody say a big amen. Let's clap our hands one more time today. Amen. Man, I wish you could see what I see. I see a room full, full of people that want to make a difference. Now, guys, get into a small group. That's where you're going to get set free from your issues. Just today, I heard a testimony. One of our young special needs, young men, has been dropping in his physical weight. He's not been eating. 
His body's been failing him. And so help me, I can't make this up. One of our small groups is a nutritional group. And because of that, his weight is up now to about 30 pounds heavier. And he's feeling better in his body. He's feeling better physically. And the good news is, his mom said, as much as he's gained, I've lost. That's a win-win, somebody. Hey, before I dismiss you, before I let you go, look for a win-win. You might say right now, well, what do you mean by small groups? Outside, there's a list of our groups on our app, Calvary FTW. Download it onto your smartphone. There's a list of the groups. Do life with other people going in the same direction, trying to make a difference in the same way. Don't do it alone. Be a part of something special. Be on the losing weight, not the gaining. God bless you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. God be with you. We'll see you Sunday. We'll see you Sunday.